Welcome to episode five of No Challenges Remaining. Back on our own separate coasts, I am Ben Rothenberg, and joining me across the continent is Courtney Nguyen. Hi, Courtney. Hello, Ben. Greetings from the West Coast. How's the East Coast treating you? Southeast. Southeast. Well, I guess people don't really refer to Florida as a South. There's an expression from people who grow up in Florida, like culturally, that the further South in Florida you go, the farther North you get. (laughs) <laughs> nice. So it's sort of, I mean, it, it feels almost like South New York here in a lot of ways, but not the South, but it's good. I'm on the East Coast, which is the point. I'm in Miami at the second of the big spring American tournaments after we both left the first one, which was Indian Wells. And so I guess we can talk about Indian Wells first, what we have in common. Sure. Uh, what Do you have any immediate takeaway first from what you most think is the big story out of Indian Wells? The big story out of Indian Wells, I mean, I think that for me, uh, and I admit that that part of this is because I generally have a bit of a blind spot when it comes to domination. Mm -hmm. So when when players become dominant and there's, uh, in my mind, there's almost an expectation that they're supposed to win – I obviously don't see them as bigger as big a stories. So, so right. my biggest takeaway from from Indian Wells is really John Isner. Yeah, I think that was the the big surprise, you know. And it was a, it was a, it was a nice surprise, just insofar as you know, it's always nice to see somebody kind of realize their potential. And and you know, what's nice about Isner <clears throat> is that it didn't feel like this win came out of nowhere. No, um, it, it felt like it was a culmination of, of or at least a continuing on of the trajectory that he's kind of built for himself. So that was quite good. I mean, I do think that, you know, I think John Wertheim said this in his mailbag this week or maybe on his Monday post about how isn't it funny how we don't talk about Novak anymore? Yeah. You know, with 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 uh, you know Fed streaking and and uh, John kind of coming up, nobody's talking about Novak, and I think that actually, if anything, that's almost a credit to Novak because you know we're happy to talk about players when they're slumping, yeah, I, and sure. I don't think that people feel like Novak slumping. I mean, he lost to Murray in Dubai in uh, you know good match played by Andy, um, and then with this Isner match, that was a coin flip for me. It could have gone either way. Isner misses that forehand return at 3-2 to go up 4-2. And it's a completely different match. So, you know, it's it's not a bad loss for Novak. And therefore, that's why I don't think that the world is kind of coming down on him. The way that it maybe comes down on Rafa a little bit more. um, On Andy, definitely. Uh, But yeah, to me, Isner was the story. And I think that it's true that, you know, Isner matches do turn into coin flips a lot of the time. And that is part of why... Earlier in his career, or maybe not earlier in his career, but now he's able to beat the top people more than people outside of the top ten otherwise have. I mean, the top four guys have lost four matches only to players outside the top four this year. Each of them has lost one of them, mm-hmm. and two of those four losses came to John Isner. So, I mean, he's a, has a he's a giant guy with a giant killer game that really works well for him and lends him well to having these big runs, which really he hadn't had at a tournament of this caliber to speak of before. He made the quarters of the U.S. Open last year, but didn't beat anybody spectacular along the way. He beat, I think, Gilles Simon was the highest seed he beat. So yeah, that's right. And nothing then, comparable. You know, yeah. He has beaten Roddick at the U.S. Open back when Roddick was the top eight seed. 
So, I mean, he's done stuff at big tournaments for sure, but this was his coming out week for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. So I thought Isner was a big story. Um, you know, when you, you know, we were talking about this a little bit before we hopped on the podcast, uh, Victoria Azarenka and Maria Sharapova. I mean, a, that big of a shock? No, I don't think so. Um, I mean, the match really was not that different than their Australian Open match. I felt like Sharapova was more in it. I mean, she didn't, I think, not that you could say this with the way she plays and fights, but she sort of went away in the Australia match. You didn't really feel like she had a shot to come back in it. This one, she had her foot a little bit in the door, maybe like a toe in the door to try to keep things going. But still, it seemed like a foregone conclusion, which is unusual for the WTA. And whereas the ATP was providing the surprises this week, so it was a bit of a reversal of the scripts, I think. Yeah, the ATP was a little... uh playing the role of a drag queen a little bit this time. I mean, like they, you know, they both kind of swapped and, and that's an, I mean, John I, I Johnny's would not be a convincing <laughs> drag queen. No, uh, I don't think that, I don't think that's going to work. I mean, I think that, uh, yeah, I mean, it's an interesting storyline that the, it, the debutee is kind of building as being one that, that isn't in chaos in any way, shape or form. And, uh, right now, and, and Dazarenka is obviously doing her thing and, and swirling her tongue and throwing her finger up in the air. Um, and she has every right to, I mean, she's, she looks unbeatable um and it's not that she does anything particularly well it's that she has no weaknesses right now and i think uh, that's exactly what we both wrote in our stories about her yeah um i might have been stealing your line when i said that in fact that's Um, fair you kept stealing my tweets all week anyway really interesting um but yeah, I mean, we're just we're just of such one mind here. Basically, we would we, several times and you commented on it, like we would send the same, almost the same tweet. It was when something happened within like two seconds of each other. Well, it didn't help just, because we were sitting next to each other in the media center, uh, separated occasionally uh, by our, our our good friend Alex Willis, who was sitting between us for a good amount of time before she left. But then once it was once she did, it was uh, it was our row. And our row had an immune system like none other. Let me tell you. I mean. It's I'm I'm willing to go under science experiments. I don't understand how I came out of Indian Wells, how either of us came out of Indian Wells not sick. Agreed. It was shocking. Agreed. It was pretty it was pretty great. And Alex too. And Alex and, too. Whereas everybody who was right near us, or several people right near us, especially Matt Cronin and Doug Robson, who were directly behind us, respectively, each got sick. So I mean, we're just made of good stuff, I guess. I guess. I Strong stock. Strong stock. Strong stock indeed. Yes. Um, but what, what, what about you? What are some other stories out of Indian Wells that kind of, you know, caught your brain? Isn't there, isn't there, I think definitely is the big one. Um, I think that, um, we haven't even said the word Federer yet. I don't think. And he won this tournament. That was implied when I said I had domination blindness. Indeed. indeed. (laughs) I mean, but I mean, he hasn't won Indian Wells in a while. This is the biggest tournament he's won since he won. I guess the year-end championships are bigger than this, technically. Probably. Uh, I think almost about equal in prestige, I would say. Indian Wells in the WTF, what do you think? I I personally think Indian Wells is tougher. I think that it's um, because it's a more neutral site. I think that it's Fair. also not at the end of the season when everyone's injured. Um, right. And there's a it's lot, of, a lot of, well, yeah, there, so. exactly. There's a lot of fatigue issues that go into kind of how the world tour finals play out. That's not an asterisk. That's not anything, but that's just a reality. Yeah. So, you know, 
I think that, that Federer's run at Indian Wells or even winning this tournament, I, I didn't have him winning it. And I think that a lot of it did have to do with his history. It, you know, it wasn't a knock against his streak that he was bringing in, but, you know, he, he hasn't been successful here for quite a long time. And, um, but, uh, I mean, credit to him. I mean, he looked like he was just the walking dead on in his first match against, uh, I think it was Darcis. Dennis Kudla. Goes against Kudla. Um, you know, he won in straight sets, but everyone who was watching that match was like, he does not look well. Yeah, um, he didn't look great against Ronich either. He looked bad against Bellucci, and that's a fourth-round match. I mean, he really took some time to play his way into this tournament. Right, but by the time, you know, he, he kind of got into things and hit up with uh, Del Potro, he was good, and he was he was he he definitely played the wind so much better than Rafa did in the semifinal um, yeah. He looked great. I mean, his feet were just dancing around the ball. It looked, I mean, it was it was quite a sight. I actually thought that was a, a given the circumstances, <clears throat> except for about two games where I think Rafa just couldn't figure out the wind at all. I think it was a relatively high quality match compared to the Australia one. I mean, I, I thought that Federer was just like didn't have a dip, and maybe it's the best of three thing that he just has more confidence against Nadal. Obviously, his best of three record is way better against him. Mm-hmm. But that match. When I was, I went to the um, Federer Nadal Australia match in person, and that was the first time I'd ever seen those two play each other in person. And I was all ready for this, you know, legendary transcendent experience, and then, you know, just sound bitter about getting to see them. It's obviously, is you know, very spoiled of me, which it wasn't that great in Australia. But in Indian Wells, I felt more like closer to their best was on display. Especially given knowing what they were dealing with with the huge winds that are blowing at the time. That's interesting because I found their their Australian Open match um, full of more interesting rallies, and I, I, I just I had a more enjoyable time watching that match, and it didn't have anything to do with outcome or anything like that. Mm-hmm. I just remember there were just some ridiculous shots that Fed was hitting, some ridiculous shots that Rafa was hitting. The um, stakes were higher. The stakes were definitely higher in Australia. Yeah, yeah, so maybe that, that amps it up as well, but um, but I definitely you know thought that their, their Aussie, you know, for, at least for, for two and a half sets, their Aussie mm-hmm. Open uh, 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 match was, was, was better, but your mileage may vary, and apparently it does. <laughs> Good, well, well played. I, I, I mean, before we move on from this, uh, you said you didn't pick Federer to win it, but do you remember who did? Ben Anyone? did. I, I think I did. So I just needed to do my own work <laughs> quickly before I move on. I give that one. I give that one to you. I give that one to you. Okay, thank you. Um, yeah. So the other winner, Victoria, which I think, um, actually, don't remember. I think I did. I predict her to win on the show. I don't think so, but I I could be wrong. I, I know I didn't. I want to say just something crazy, like picking Lena to beat her or something. But something I'm like sure. that. I mean, the, the I problem... might have I might have had her winning. I'm not yeah. sure. I think my thing. I, I did not pick her to win. I picked Sharapova to win, but I also did not pick Azarenka to be in the final. So you picked that... her to lose to who? I remember this. Uh, I think I picked her to lose to a Redvanska. Yeah, and yeah. that match. Which is why I had to have my Tyra moment with Agnieszka Redmanska while I'm watching the score, the games click by. I mean, you just wanted to pull her as I just wanted to pull her aside and say, "I believed in you. What are you doing? Like, you know, like <laughs> what? I mean, come on, we all believed in you." And um, and it, it didn't, six, I mean, that to recap, was it was a while ago. It was six zero five zero thirty all. I want to say she was two points from getting double bagels in that match. She was. She was. So I mean, and she and, she's, and I mean, she is a top five player, and I believe did she move? She went to number four with that win, right? She did. Yeah, well, she, she went Carolina to number four dropped. before that win, but yeah, that's right. <laughs> with that, start with that loss. Yeah. This run. So that was uncomfortable yeah, I mean, that was, to watch. 
that was a, that was a tough one to watch for sure. But I mean, Azarenka making things look very routine, and even the one blip she did have, sort of, if you want to call it a blip, was actually uh, off court after her semifinal. It's not the best transition, but we'll get to it anyway. Mm-hmm. She um, she was announced her press, and because of the various aforementioned depletion to the press corps due to illness and the ongoing um, Sharapova-Ivanovich match, which was at really at a high level right then at 4-all in the first set, only two journalists, was it, went to her semifinal presser? I believe it was maybe one journalist, and then it w- the... Uh... Press Another conference one was announced me. again, yeah. like kind of a reminder, and then one more journalist showed up. Yeah, I mean, I was I was that night. I was writing something else and assumed. I mean, this is what happens during tournaments. You assume that if you don't go, there will be a prep, there will be a transcript you can get. Right. So unless you have something specific that you really want to ask, and I I go to more of them than I don't for the most part, especially there because unlike in Miami. Um, the press conference room is very close to the media room, so it's not a long walk. Here you have to like, walk down two flights of stairs and stuff to get there. So you really have to kind of be committed to wanting to go to the press conference in Miami. Mm-hmm. But um, in, Indian, in Indian Wells, it was pretty easy. So I went to most of them. But that one, I just thought would be fine. But I guess a lot of people thought that. And also, I mean, it wasn't an eventful win for her. I mean, at that point, the press had already talked to her, what, like four times that week? Maybe more than that if you count all access. Right. So, I mean, most of our questions for Victoria had been answered. This relatively routine win for Kerber didn't change much. We didn't know that she was going to play in the final yet. So, right. you know, I think there are extenuating circumstances for why it happened. Absolutely. But, I mean, I think that it was, I think it was just kind of bad timing. It's also, uh, I mean, I think the depletion of the press corps had all, quite a bit to do with it. And it's also, you know, like, I think that, Ben, I don't know about you, but I know for myself, well, actually, I do know, I think, because I've talked to you about it, where there are instances where I might not be writing up a match or writing about that player, but mm-hmm. I would still go to the press conference and occasionally, I don't ask a lot of questions, but occasionally I'll ask questions just to sure. try and help build a transcript and maybe, you know, the player gives a good quote that somebody else might write up and, you know, Definitely. it's good for the sport, it's good for that player, et cetera. And we, et cetera. Actually, we actually did something like that earlier that night with Correct. Kerber. Yes, Angelique Kerber was announced to press, and I think Ben and I were both standing next to each other, and I think we were just kind of chatting, and we were concerned we were like, that should no, we should go. Oh, huh? yeah, we should. Should we go? We should go. So we went. We asked her some questions. I'm not sure either of us ended up using the quotes or really writing about her, but you know, there's a transcript out there now that has some of her, you know, some information about her, and you know, Angelique Kerber was here. Yeah. Exactly. So sometimes you do take that for granted with some of the bigger players, but um, you know, in that situation, I was writing up the the, the Ivanovich Sharapova match, or at least had an angle on it, and so I couldn't really leave. Uh, yeah. Almost everyone to have was. A chat. That was yeah. that was a that was an important match, and that was a good match while it was going before Anna, you know, pulled up lame with the injury. Agreed. Uh, it was a very very high quality match and I was sort of looking I was about to head out there to watch it right about when things started going downhill for her so. Yep. So Disappointing. Tough. But sure. a good week for her still we can talk about Ivanovich too because she didn't really do anything bad of note before our last episode. Our last episode was actually us saying we didn't expect her to beat Caroline. We or me? <laughs> um, we. I was, I was in agreement with you. I didn't expect her to beat Caroline. 
Yeah, no. I mean, I don't think that anybody really did. And um, I don't think, I mean, that match was interesting on two levels because, A, it was obviously surprising that Anna won. But I think that it was also a bit of a turning point in terms of Caroline um, and maybe the focus on where her game is at right now. I mean, I think that for the most part, we've kind of thought that she's been slumping and, you know, but the matches that she had been losing were against players that, that um, you know, whether it was, you know, Gerges has her number, um, Safarova just, I mean, played a really good match when she beat yeah. her in, in Doha, I believe that was. Yeah. So, you and know. She played it, a really good match and beat her 7-6 in the third. Exactly. And then, you know, obviously she lost to Kim in, in Australia. And was it Redvanska in Sydney? Yeah. Although okay. she was a little bit injured in that match. She was. So, you know, there have been kind of uh, excuses, I suppose, that maybe at least I would kind of look at and say, well, no, you know, Caroline's still Caroline. And She's fine, but I think that her the way that she lost to Ivanovich, and it's not just, you know, obviously Anna was playing really well and, and basically kind of blasted her off the court, but her body language, it was the first yeah. time that I'd really seen that negative of body language from Wozniacki on the court for a prolonged period of time. And so, yeah. you know, it kind of gave a little bit of insight into to kind of the confusion that's going on maybe with her right now and, and the frustration. I mean, she does a good job of hiding it marginally in in press. I mean, she, she plasters the smile on and she, she, she does the game. She plays the game, but um, I think that things are, are a little bit more serious for her right now than, than mm-hmm. maybe um, it's, we're being led to believe. Yeah, that's definitely fair to say. I think, I mean, she, she won today in Miami. She played what was started as a very tough match against Barbara Zalavova Struchkova. And uh, I don't know if I pronounced that right at all. I'm guessing no. And she had a tough match, but she started cruising, and she eventually won the second set 6-0. And she didn't, I mean, she just didn't look satisfied or happy. I mean, I think that she's, it's hard when these players, especially the ones who haven't, don't have a Grand Slam title of their name, whether it's Yankovic or Safina or Wozniakina, when they start to slip, they tend to slip fairly fast. Yeah. So, and she's in that position. She's already down to number six. She could be at number eight by the French Open. So, especially if she's not allowed to defend Charleston, right? which there's still some dispute over whether or not they're going to let her into that tournament, which I just don't understand why they wouldn't let her in because she's a good draw. And that part of roadmap, I think, is not good. But not letting defending champions in tournaments, I think that's hard to defend. Sure. But, and, and there were also issues before the roadmap, and I don't know roadmap that well, honestly, but there were times when the Moscow tournament was a lower-level tournament and a lot of Russians couldn't get in to play it. Yep. including Dementia and what turned out to be her last season. I mean, so no. I think it could use some tweaking or some situational flexibility. But For sure. Anyway, yeah, she, she has a, um interesting uh, road here. She next plays, um, just transition a little bit, sneaking ahead to Miami. Uh, she next plays Petra Chetkovska, who just won an incredible match against uh, Christina McHale, which was a really bizarre scoreline where Christina McHale was up 6-0, 4-0 before losing somehow 0-6-7-5-6-1. Yep. So that's not the first time that's happened to McHale, having a huge lead and not closing it out. So Yeah, I mean, I thought anyway, that we were, really, we were really kind of walk, getting away from that, you know, with her and that yeah. she had uh, kind of figured things out. So that was a bit surprising. But um, Because but yeah. earlier in the day, I had been watching, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, earlier sorry. in the day, I had been watching Sloane Stevens play this really messy match that had seven straight breaks in the third set. 
And I was thinking to myself, wow, if only she knew how to close matches like Christina McHale, this could go better. <laughs> I actually like did think that to myself because Christina had closed out that big win over Petra yep. just last week. But, I mean, Sloan eventually did win. It was clearly not happy with the win, but still won. And But Christina couldn't. And we don't know if she was hurt. There was nobody at the court who was reporting as far as we know. Yeah. on that match. So I couldn't tell, I didn't see, I wasn't paying enough close enough attention to it on the feed to be able to tell. So, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you know, the thing about Mikhail and, and, uh, you know, obviously this is kind of what happens sometimes with, uh, I don't know, maybe the immediacy or, or just really focusing on big wins and maybe not paying attention to what happens afterwards, but she did fail to, I mean, she, she relinquished a 4-1 lead on Kerber last week at Indian Wells after she beat Petra. Yeah. So, you know, uh, Mikhail had a great opportunity to, what would, would that admit, put her into the semifinals? Mm, quarters. Quarters. Okay. Quarters. But, uh, but she had, she was a four, she was 4-1 up and, uh, did, and, and she had, had three match, match points. points and she couldn't close there. You know, and she has that. She had that big. She was up five love over Irani at the French Open last year, and in the third set, and yeah. lost that match. And then today, six love, four love, and to lo- only win two more games um, and lose in six one in the third is, you know, that's a that's a troubling, a troubling series of series of results. But. Definitely, I remember at Fed Cup back in episode one of the podcast, I was talking about how Christina McHale was almost double bagel. Belarusians in both of her singles matches, she went up six love, four love, and didn't finish either as a double bagel. So, I mean, maybe there's just a sort of I don't know if it's a lack of killer instinct or a lack of finish that's that she a, has. Yeah. And so. I think that that I think that that's what why I think a, the general consensus was that she had maybe gotten over that uh, when we saw her reaction in that Petra match, right? You know, because Petra really was coming back, and Christina just really beat her back. Um, which was surprising. So, you know, I mean, the kid has big wins. I mean, she's she's beaten Kvitova, she's beaten Wozniacki. Um, so, but uh, but yeah, surprising loss today. The, the Sloan match. Or, so anyway, so Car- getting back to Caroline before we forget her. Caroline next plays Tchaikovsky, which I think she should win, and then she gets a very very tough potential match with Kim Kleisters again. So. I mean, if she loses that one, which I think it's hard to predict her to win it, honestly. There's no rationale why you'd think Caroline would win that match, the way both have looked so far. So, I don't know. I mean, that's when you were saying there aren't really the X factors in women's tennis right now. There are. They weren't in Indian Wells, but the three X factors are in in Miami for sure, Mm -hmm. in the form of Kim, Venus, and Serena. And so, with how good Kim, with how good... uh, Venus looked especially in her first time match. I don't think any, and with her illness and all the question marks there, I don't think anyone can ever predict anything from her right now. It's so hard. I mean, it's, I mean, from all accounts, it sounded like she played fantastic against Kamiko. She was great. But she then now, great. but now the question is, you know, the recovery. Yeah. Right. It's one thing to come out after months and months and months of rest and preparation and play play lights out. And then another thing to then recover from that when you haven't had to recover from that level of maybe physical stress for a really long time and recover and then come out, which she'll play Friday night against Petra Kvitova in a match that will not be aired anywhere, which is just mind blowing to me. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but I'm curious to see how that comes out just because it sounds like from what I've been speaking with you, Ben, the heat down there and the humidity has been absolutely oppressive. 
it's been brutal. And I was actually a little bit surprised. Um, I mean, obviously, this tournament really doesn't feel like an American tournament, even though even Indian Wells doesn't feel like that as much. But this one really doesn't. has a much more international feel to it. And Sloan Stevens, up next big thing American, was playing on court seven today, which is tiny. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, that Venus match got scheduled against Petra for the, a night session, which I think is potentially a game changer because it re- really will reduce the heat and humidity, and that should help Petra. It also gives it also gives Venus more time to recover. So that's true. You know, it could go either way. But yeah, no, I, I was a little surprised to see that scheduled at night as well. So we'll especially, see. Especially I mean, when they don't have to worry about any TV windows. I know. Yeah. No. <laughs> And what do you what do you think? We've gotten we gotten some questions um, on our Twitter, and just has been a Twitter topic of the week here, and also it was in the early rounds of Indian Wells, and we did talk about it a little bit in our last episode. But we can talk about it more now. What do you think about these tournaments having their early rounds not televised? I mean, it's so hard. I mean, first of all, obviously, we understand the pragmatic aspect of it typically nothing is happening in the first rounds i mean i think that miami is getting a little bit hosed with the amount of kind of vitriol um coming from from fans and and that would include myself as well just because i'm annoyed Mm -hmm. by it because i'm not there but um you know they're a little hosed this time because they have the clavinova comeback that nobody got to see they have Venus's comeback that nobody gets to see. Now they have this Venus versus the number three player in the world, Petra Kvitova, um, that no one's going to be able to see because coverage doesn't start until Saturday. Yeah, six um, Wimbledon titles between them and no, not televised. Not televised. You know, you have Gonzalo, Fernando Gonzalez's retirement, um, his final match, which sounded amazing, and no one got to see it. Not even um, the Chileans, and it was like the number one trending topic on all of Twitter. Exactly. And then on top of all that, you have, you know, Serena versus returning after a month and a half layoff you have kim's return since since australia there's so much going on in this first week where you know for a lot of people who who do follow the sport whether as fans or writers unless you're there at crandon park we have no idea what's going on you know and uh, and these are these are major storylines that that people yeah. are interested in so i mean i think that miami maybe more than indian wells got got a lot more kind of shock horror hate maybe. Yeah, fair. especially when you have because <clears throat> indian wells did not have gonzalez clavinova venus or clusters right nothing was yeah. happening in indian wells that first week i mean no. really nothing. nothing so there was a little you know there was less reason to be up in arms um i think that in addition to that maybe there's like i mean i obviously don't know what the press room situation looks like there but there there just seems to be less of a social media presence on miami so um with respect to early round trying to follow matches and understand what's going on you know like admittedly i'm totally reliant on ben (laughs) like you know like to kind of give me the feel and flavor of the match and that's frustrating because i don't always trust ben but (laughs) i kid i kid but um but yeah you know i mean it just feels like there's just a lot of really significant things happening in miami and to not be having a stream at all, um, you know, even like a security camera turned on in center court yeah. um, is definitely frustrating. No, I mean, and actually you mentioned security camera feeds because, you know, at these big tournaments, uh, the media center has security camera feeds of all eight courts. Mm-hmm. But the ones here are really not very good. So, like, I couldn't, the one on court one especially. So even if I wanted to, I really would have had a tough time trying to watch Christina McHale today. Yeah without going out there and the grounds are not very easy to navigate here compared to the other places. And so, I mean, it's tough. It's, it's not, and it's also just so grossly humid 
that if you go outside, you know that you're going to really sweat through all your clothing and feel disgusting. So that de-incentivizes leaving the room a little bit too. Yep. So, I mean, and it's, a, it's just different here. I think the Indian Wells was a less momentous tournament covered way more thoroughly. Yeah, it's probably, that's, I think that that probably is a very accurate statement. Yeah, I would so. I would agree with that. I mean, obviously it'll pick up, you know, once once TV coverage starts, and you know, a lot of a lot of times, you know, press and media don't come until the second week. Yeah. So you know, that's part of it too, in terms of getting. <clears throat> you just need more more people on the ground, right? I mean, um, but uh, but yeah, yeah I mean, it's it, been empty here. I mean, a lot of the press conferences have been a lot of it. It just again, like it was with Azarenka, some of it is bad timing with scheduling. But um, a lot of people here so far are only working partial days because the night sessions, except for Gonzalez, haven't been that necessary to see. Mm-hmm. And there was a Rafael Nadal press conference today, his opening pre-tournament one, which usually those things go about 15 minutes and are pretty expansive. This one, he got one question in English. There one question. Go. So, I mean, and then Kim Kleister's, I was the only person at her press conference today, um, which was nice. And I had done that with all in Indian Wells, too, actually, although other people came in later. So, I mean, it's just it's a weird atmosphere here. Um, and I'm trying to do my best to, you know, cover it as much as I can and writing other stuff. So you're doing a great we'll see. job. Hopefully then. people people will give hopefully the people will get what they want eventually. And there are a bunch of other good writers here who I know are working on stuff and other bloggers, too, who are doing stuff. So not totally a area 51 of tennis. Not but, at all. Not at all. You know. Not at all. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that with, I mean, with the TV stuff, it's always tough for me because on one level, let's face it. I mean, yeah, we're spoiled. I don't know. Well, I don't know if spoiled is the right word, but, um, as we get a lot without paying for it, we get a lot without paying for anything. And, you know, we don't, obviously we don't talk about it very much. I mean, but it's all always assumed that like, if you're up at four o'clock in the morning and you're watching Tokyo, you're not watching it on you know, tennis TV or ESPN three or anything Tokyo like that. Especially you hope you get those awesome Japanese commentators oh, who get yes. so excited for every point. And I won't do an imitation of them because it would inevitably be hugely offensive. But <laughs> they, they just get so excited about every single point. Yeah. It's awesome. Right. So. But we do get a lot without paying for it. And mm-hmm. I mean, I think that a counter argument is, well, if, if there was proper coverage, we would pay. I, you know, I, the cynic in me says that's probably not true. Did you hear all the people complaining about how they had to pay for March Madness streaming? Exactly. Yeah. And, and, like, be, and that was, that's like the biggest college basketball event of the year. Right. Are people really going to pay to watch a stream from, I don't know, Stuttgart? Right. Mm, no. I mean, I think that if you, um, if, if everybody who's complaining has forked out money for, you know, a tennis channel, B tennis TV. Yeah. Then, okay. You know what? You are in a good position to keep complaining because clearly you put your money where your mouth is. And Mm -hmm. yeah, I believe you that you would pay if there was, you know, more uh, streaming available. Um, But if you're kind of not, and you're still like just kind of relying on illegal streams and stuff like that. I mean, do we really have a right to be complaining that like a match that you want to see that nobody else gives a crap about? Yeah. Like literally, I mean, sometimes on Twitter, right? I mean, it's very easy to think that everybody cares about this one tiny thing that, that you want to see, but that's not the case. And so yeah. maybe step back and maybe think, well, is this really worth, 
you know, having flying in an entire crew early and laying cable and laying, laying wire and, you know, turning on a stream or turning on the cameras, having cameramen working at them, announcers. Just so you can watch Bogomolov Muller. Right. It's, you know, I mean, like, I get, I get the frustration because I, as one who is, for example, very into the WTA, like, I, there are tons of matches that are going on that I would love to see, but I also recognize that, like, I am the only person and maybe, like, 10 of my friends <laughs> that yeah. wants to see it. So, no, I mean, I think on Twitter, especially because you follow people and you hashtag whatever people who are into what you're into, mm-hmm. the echo chamber effect in there happens to really sort of amplify what the actual demand of it probably is. I mean, some of the stream sites do have numbers. So yeah, people are watching at the same time as you, mm-hmm. and it's never four digits. Right. I don't think so. <laughs> so yeah. you know, I mean, take a step back and understand the economics of it. I mean, there's not. I mean, there's a lot of money in tennis. There's not that much money in tennis in general. Most of the seeds have not played yet. Um, none of the men's seeds have played and only the first half or so of the women's seeds played today. So we really don't have a great measuring stick for some of these people are at this tournament. So, you know, we'll shoot, we'll shoot in the dark and see what happens. I mean, no one's expecting us to get it right anyway, I don't think (laughs) so. Stakes are low. Um, let's start with the Djokovic quarter. Um, can we just assume that Djokovic is going to win the Djokovic quarter? I think so. He could get Del Potro or Ferrer in the quarter. Um, I see neither of them beating him. No. All right. That was quick. Yeah. Um, next quarter, which has a fun second round match between Federer and Ryan Harrison, where, which is only really fun because of, you know, what happened last summer with Ryan Harrison giving Federer advice on what he should be doing to play better. Always entertaining. That was fun. Harrison has been, people who went to his press conference were very impressed with him today. He talked a lot about needing to get better, you know, with his controlling his emotions and stuff and, he talked about that a lot in Indy Wells, too, and didn't necessarily follow up on it completely, but he admitted that today. So we'll see how he does against Federer. I also don't think he's going to get super, I don't know, pouty in front of Federer. So back to the anyway. men's draw. Um, after that little part, um, other things. Anyway, this Federer little mini cluster is interesting because Federer could get Roddick in the third round. Roddick will get a U.S. Open 2004 rematch with Gilles Muller. In the second round, and then Federer and Roddick will play each other after having just played each other in Madison Square Garden, where Roddick beat Federer. Courtney, does that mean anything at all? No. <laughs> That's basically, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not as quick to say no, because I thought... Roddick did a lot of interesting things in that match. I mean, he really went for his forehand, especially more well, than that's he true. does. So if he can actually translate that into, you know... The match, a real match at a real tournament, we'll see. But, again, Federer should be expected to make it through this section, I think. It's a fun section. It has Gail Monfils and um, uh, Marty Fish, who's struggling a lot. Marty Fish is a tough draw, actually. He does. He plays Frank Dancevic first, who he should be, but Dancevic actually has played really well lately. He's a qualifier who just won a uh, big 125K challenger in Dallas. So he's on a ten match win streak. He is on a ten match win streak. Yeah, he's doing he's doing good stuff. I always liked him a lot. So happy to see him doing well. Fancy he's very, dancy, very flashy. Hmm? Fancy, fancy. I dancy. call him Frankie Dancer. Frankie Dancer. Frankie Dancer. I don't. I don't. I, I maybe. I'm happy to accept suggestions on nicknames for Frank Dancer. Like this I'm definitely Chan. saying like the 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 Elton John song to his name. Yeah, hold yeah. me closer, Frankie Dancer. Exactly. There you go. Um, 
other 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 half of the draw. Um, let's see, um, the Burditch Murray quarter. Um, mm-hmm. Ooh, you, Murray Ronich is fun. Yeah, I mean, do you, I mean, I guess the over the overarching question is, do you see Murray coming out of this quarter? Uh, he's the favorite for sure. I think um, but there's a bunch of of landmines in this quarter. Yep. Um, I don't. I think. I want to think. Let's go through this one by one. I don't see Faya troubling him. Um, Ronich. I. I think Murray's about eighty twenty on that one. Okay. Um, which you know, twenty is not insignificant. Um, he'll beat Simone or Meltzer, I think, and then. Uh, yeah, I think he makes it through Burdich or Dolgopolov or Tipsarovich. I think Murray gets through here. What do you think? I do. I mean, I think that the Roundage match will be trickier than maybe we give him credit for. Yeah. Um, but uh, but I think the the Faya match is a big match for him. Unfortunately, I mean he yeah. he hasn't won a match at Indian Wells or Miami since 2010. Is that right? That's correct. Yeah, so you know he needs to get over that. He needs to get a win under his belt. Um, he's back with Lendl um, in Florida, so that's good. Um, but there's no reason he, you know, it should be a troubling match. But then again, there was no reason that he should have lost to to Guillermo Garcia Lopez. So, yeah. you know, um, I, I rode the shuttle with two days in a row, by the way. Oh yeah. <clears throat> yep. Me and Guillermo, me and GGL, nice. the back seat, not talking to each other because he was with his team talking Spanish. So. Fun times. Yep. He won today over Rajiv Ram. So yep. good for him. Yeah. Um, yeah. But Ronich, I think Ronich a bit, he's, Ronich is like almost like a rich man's Harrison in some ways. Because Ronich doesn't have a top four win to his name, I don't think. Sure. Does he? No. Yeah. So make, I think giving him a huge chance against Murray would be optimistic. No, not a huge chance, but I think that, uh, you know, if he can hold his serve and he can frustrate Andy and, you know, for the same reasons that John can be a frustrating player to play and at least, you know, people kind of tap Raonic to be kind of similar in that way, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, he's got the serve, he can can hold, and if he can keep holding and get himself into a tiebreak, who knows? Indeed. And best of three. Best of three, exactly right. He took a set off Federer, so I mean... He did. That was a close match. Um, Ray moves next quarter, sure. Nadal quarter. Uh, Nadal quarter featuring um, Nisha. Nadal's draw basically looks like uh, Stepanek in the round, third round, Nisha Corey in the fourth. Actually, Nisha Corey has been not that great lately, so Nisha Corey might not make it there. I don't think he'll make it there. Yeah, so maybe Granolieres, which was a very boring match, and you're <laughs> so we have to see that again. Um, Nadal basically into the quarter, we're saying now, mm-hmm. where he would play one of likely Sanga or Isner. Which would be a great, I mean, I'm, I'm really, I mean, Isner has to get past Davidenko first, um, but that could be an interesting one, uh, Johnny and, and Sanga. That could be fun. That could be fun. I actually saw them play once in D.C. in an untelevised first round match. Uh-huh. That was the third set tiebreak, as Isner is wont to do. Mm-hmm. So that was a lot of fun. And uh, Sanka got very angry and never came back to the tournament ever again. So <laughs> There you go. Because when you have to play Isner in your first round match, you're just like, uh, screw this, I'm out of here. So um, looking ahead, give me your semis and give me your uh, your champion. Okay. Uh, my semis are, uh, I have Djokovic and Federer. Mm-hmm. Um, into the semis in the top half. I've got Burdich Nadal 
Ooh, okay. In the bottom half. Um, I think, to, uh, well, I mean, that's a bit of a risky pick because Burdich, like, completely collapsed against Nicolas Almagro last week. And yeah. Up, and up until that point, Burdich has been playing really well this yeah. year. Um, I thought that he well, was he was doing pretty well. But um, but I do have him getting past Nadal. I just, I think that, the, uh, not, not past Nadal, I'm sorry, um, getting out of the Murray quarter. Um, I'm just not confident in Andy Murray these days of, of mm-hmm. kind of taking care of his business early on in the tournament, late in the tournament. Okay. Sure. But early on, I just don't know. Um, and then I have Nadal over Federer in the final. Very cool. Yeah. Um, I will go uh, semifinal Djokovic. I think Djokovic doesn't make sense. I said that's a huge shock here. Mm-hmm. Um, Federer, um, I'll go Murray, and I'll go Isner. Mm. I think Isner will beat Zonga, and Nadal and the train will keep rolling a bit. And Isner will get to be number one American, which I think would be, you know, cool for him. And I think American tennis to have someone really peaking well and playing well on a lot of services at the same time. Um, But then I think Isner loses to Murray, and I think Federer beats Djokovic. And then um, uh, Federer beats Murray. <laughs> I have no idea on what those last like three matches were. I have no clue. You have you, that was just the most unconvincing trail of like picks. He's <laughs> like, I guess, like after every single after every single pick, but it's tough. I mean, I I think that it's interesting. I mean, I think that that's what makes ATP a little fun right now. Yeah, you know, you, know, you have a pretty good, pretty good confidence. The guys are going to get there. And that when they do, they'll play pretty well. Yeah. In the late rounds, which is which is cool, and it's something WTA does not have right now, has not had for a while. Right. And it's the different flavors of the two tours. I mean, we were saying you would never look at it, except for Azarenka right now. You'd never look at a quarter and be like, "Oh, okay, obviously it's going to be Djokovic on the WTA." Yeah. You couldn't do that. Nope. You ready? You ready to try our hand WTA? Sure. Let's do okay. it. Okay. Azarenka quarter. Um. I'm just look, I really haven't looked at the draws that much, honestly, since I've been here. No. So I've been very focused on the actual like individual matches. No, no one's no one's going to stop her in her quarter. Yeah, no, that's not happening. Um, yeah, Bartoli did not look great against Ivanovic. She was no. sick, apparently. Yes, and I don't. Bartoli actually has a decent head-to-head against Azarenka. I want to say. Um, I don't know it off the top of my head, but I think it's evenish. Although Azarenka obviously is going to take a lot to stop her. Yeah. So, let's take Azarenka to get through there. Both you agree on that? Both I of agree. us. I agree. Yeah. Um, any other intriguing things? Elisa uh, Klaymanova is in that quarter. Yes. Um, I got to see Elisa Klaymanova play her first match back here, which was very cool. And I know that um, I wrote about it, and uh, just I mean, it's just you know the coverage that she got here, the attention that the WTA helped her get, and the admiration of what a big deal this was to her was very cool. Mm-hmm. She got to play on the biggest day that was being used that day, which she wouldn't normally get if she, you know, just on name recognition power alone. She right. got to do pre-tournament press, which was very mindful of them and cool. And she did press for like half an hour. Mm-hmm. She really talked a lot. She's a very good talker. She's always been a good talker, but obviously now she's a lot more to talk about. And so. She just sounds in such good spirits and you just yeah. really kind of. <clears throat> and she looks her. good. I mean, yeah. she looks good. I mean, physically she looks good. And her tennis was I mean, there were a lot of flashes of 
what she what made her so tough beforehand. I don't her anticipation was not was noticeably not very good against Johanna Larson in her win there. Mm-hmm. But that'll come with time. Yeah. So so that's cool. She has a I don't think she's gonna get past Karolinko in the next round. That's a sort of a nightmare match for someone who hasn't yeah. played a lot of tennis lately. But yeah. uh but it was good that she got one win for sure. That was a big surprise, I thought. I did not expect her to win that match. Nope, not at all. So has to be it has to be tough for Johanna Larson playing that match too. I did feel a little bit sorry for her. It did. I mean, it sounded situation. like she was getting really frustrated towards the end. She know? was. When she lost the second set, and she just sort of saw it slipping away. I mean, I haven't watched a lot of her play, so I don't know if she's often like that, but it wasn't very Swedish of her. <laughs> um, next up is... Um, oh, by the way, since we said this beforehand, speaking of Swedish... If you're not already, you should go follow Sophia Arvids on Twitter because she's really good at Twitter. She is. End. She's stealthily good on Twitter. She is. She really punches above her weight in terms of rankings. For yeah, Twitter because goodness. it's one of those things because she tweets quite a bit. She's a regular tweeter. Mm-hmm. And so you just kind of see her pop up in your Twitter feed and you click and you kind of like, you're like, oh, that's clever. And then you move back because she's not like a really big yeah. like name and, and her tweets aren't really like retweet worthy. They're just yeah, kind she, of like, she's oh. not like, she's not like raunchy, like a Karlovich, right. you know? <clears throat> so, but I think, so two clap, you know, snaps to you, uh, Sophie Arbison for someone we pretty much ignore largely on the court. I think she lost today. You should. Yeah. Back two takeaways. The, Basically the... Victoria's rank is going to get through and then everybody please follow Sophie Arbison on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> pretty much. Um, because Johanna Larson is Swedish was our segue there. <laughs> yes. Um, Next quarter is a very fun quarter, the Petra Fit of a quarter, where right away she gets Venus Williams, and I say that's a toss-up. Really, I do. I mean, Venus you're the so one that's Yeah, you're the one that saw Venus, so obviously you're I in the best really, position. I was really, I think on Twitter, I was fairly superlative about Venus, but it was, when she when she stepped to the line and she, like, paused for a second there, she really did have, like, a five-second pause at the service line before she did anything, and then she hit 120-mile-per-hour mile ace <laughs> up the tee. It was just like, wow. Mm-hmm. That, was, that was a wow moment, for sure. For sure. For someone's first point and, you know, since all they've been through. So that had to feel pretty good for her. And that was just sort of, that was cool to be there for that. Um, it depends a lot on who wins that match. Yeah, uh, I agree. Ivanovich, actually, Ivan, this thing's going to break well for Ivanovich in this section. I kind of like her draw. It's, it's a loaded draw, but it's one where I make her the favorite in almost every match there. Same well, for, well, for Ivanovich, like, there's no one here who you say, oh, that's a pushover. All right. I mean, Vanya King is not a pushover. Right. Daniela Huntikova, Bondarenko, actually, neither of them are playing very well right now. So that could be um, a little bit easy. By the way, um, Ursula Radwanska, who lost to Katarina Bondarenko in the Little Sister Battle, has had a horrible time closing matches with leads. I think she was up like 6 3 4 1 in that match. Really? So she is not getting the take number bump at all. No. Remember, we were talking about how she had a tough time. She couldn't close against uh, Serana Kirste mm-hmm. in the second round of the Australian Open. So. Sure. She's having some closing issues for sure. Um, but she did qualify here, so that's a start. Um, the lower part of that section is Radvanska's easily. Mm-hmm. I don't know what Radvanska's head-to-head with uh, Vera is like, but Vera's not playing great tennis right Vera's now. Vera's not one to be counted on these days. Yeah. This this this, this girl who Vera's playing the second round, there's been a lot of buzz about, and I've, I had never heard of it before she got a wild card here. Her name is uh, Garbine uh, Muguruza Blanco. Mm-hmm. Had you ever heard of her before this? I had not. 
Yeah, so she's an 18-year-old who's been a junior standout to some degree, apparently. Just did really well in the Clearwater tournament last week, which a lot of big players were at, actually. Mm. And uh, she got a wild card, and she won her first match after Ayumi Morita retired, so you don't know what to take from that. Mm. But uh, well, I think some people were saying that Vera could be in trouble there. So if she, that's the result that could possibly happen, that would be a big result. Mm-hmm. But I think Vera is solid enough to, you know... Wait to, to lose to Panetta in the third round. <laughs> um, so, but I think basically it's this is a hard, we'll wait for the prediction. Let's let's our analysis. We'll make our picks for that prediction for that section later. Okay. Um, next quarter, loadedish quarter. Mm-hmm. The Wozniacki Stoser quarter, co-starring Serena Williams and Kim Kleister. <laughs> um, what are your initial thoughts on this one? Uh, my initial thoughts on this one is why the heck did the draw have to break this way? Yeah. Um, it's just, it's rough. I think that, I think Kim got the toughest, um, toughest go because obviously she wasn't seated. So she has one more match anyway, which actually could help her, um, in terms yeah. of finding her rhythm. She uh, said today, actually, I talked, when I talked to her after her Gerger's match, mm-hmm. um, which she won straight set, she mm-hmm. said that having to play a top 15 seed in the second round, having one, if that had been her first match, she would have been in a lot of trouble. Yeah. So having that match where uh, Yarka got a over her first-round opponent, started pretty well and then completely went off the rails, as she is wont to do. Yes. Um, having that match under her belt, I definitely, definitely helps her. Yes. She gets a Belgian battle next against Yanina. Yep, yep. It'll be Yanina and, and, and Kim. But, um, but, you know, I mean, at this, you know, at this rate, I have, I have Serena coming out of, the, of that top eighth section with Stozer. Uh, I just don't really think Sam's playing that well, and she's never played well in Miami. Yeah. So, it's a huge home court advantage for Serena. This is her home turn. Yes, yes. Much. She's totally used to this. So so I have her through there. She's got Vinci next, and then she would get the winner of Stozer's Keepers. So oh, I, I, will, I will say that Stozer looked really good today. I saw a lot of the second set of her match, and she looked great. I mean, I tweeted something about it. She's one of the players who I do like to watch when they're dominating her their opponent. It's such a, you know... She's so powerful and so imposing on court that when things are going well for her, it can be very, very impressive. When things are going like well it was for her. US Open final. Hmm? When things it's, are going well for her, that's the uh, that's, that's the ass. caveat. Um, that's a big ass. But yeah, I mean, but uh, but otherwise, we would at least get a Stozer Williams uh, fourth round, which would be fun. Um, and then I do want to see Kleister's Wozniacki um, fourth round as well. Um, and then once you have those two play, I mean, the winner of both those matches playing, you know, let's face it, who doesn't want to see Kim versus Serena? Yeah, first time since uh, the big controversial U.S. Open 09 match, I think. Exactly. Yeah, and so, that was a great match. It was that a was, great match. That was a great match. Totally overshadowed by the controversy and the way that it ended. But that was yeah. a, that was like like one of the few matches. I was trying to think because we I had to do kind of a Serena versus Kim debate. Um, this week on the toss, and I was trying to remember when they had ever played well at the same time. Yeah, and it might have been that match. Yeah, and then since then they've just kind of sputtered. You know, when one's been good, the other one's been injured, vice versa. And they've been playing such part-time schedules. Yeah. Serena due to injury and a little bit of choice, and Kim due to a little bit of injury and a lot more choice. It seems like. Yeah, so. agreed. And that's yeah. fair to say. Yeah. Um, Wozniacki, we're not considering her a factor in that section at all. No. Okay. I don't, um, do you? I can't see her getting past Kim, no. Yeah, so. Yeah. If Kim somehow goes out to Vickmeyer or something, which could happen, I which guess. Which could happen. Um, 
uh, then Wozniacki could sneak through to the quarters, but I don't see her beating either Stoser or Serena. Um, so anyway, bottom quarter featuring Sharapova and Lena anchoring mm-hmm. it. Um, it's the IMG quarter. Yes, there you go. The Max Eisenberg special. <laughs> he should he should be the chair umpire for their quarterfinal. <laughs> Uh, what do you, what do you, although he, he claps really loudly during matches, so it might be inappropriate. That he does. That for he him does. To do that. I am really looking forward to and hoping for a uh, Sharapova Barthel fourth round. That could be fun. I, I'm just, I'm like so high on Mona Barthel these days. Like, is she's yeah. like been like a discovery ever since Hobart, like having watched what her. What a win for her today, by the way. Mm hmm. Bagel. Love. I mean, I know that Yelena Yankovic is not her best, but beating her six zero and she was up what, like, you know, two zero. Yeah, that's pretty. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, because Jerry doesn't get blown out the water that often. No, Mona Barthel's into the third round, having dropped four games and dropping two bagel sets on people. That's so she good. beat she beat Greta Arn six one six love in the first round, and then beat Yankovic today six love six three. So, you know she's she's still she's feeling good. She's feeling confident. She's got Makarova next, which which could be it's not easy. Uh, no, although Makarova looked so bad against Wozniacki at um, Indian Wells. Yes, that yes. was a match that I really thought would be like upset special. And Makarova was sick, honestly, the way she played. She was like six two six love. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It was pretty tough. So, but I would like to see a Barthel Sharapova match. I think that would be really, really interesting. Um, on the other half, I see Lena getting through um, that match between Pong and Lasicki. Just looks like a one. I mean, and I like both of them, but I I wouldn't watch that match. <laughs> I think those are two slumping players who are who are trying to find their form. It, it could be an ugly one. Yeah, the ugly one of the day was the Sloan Stevens match, which also in that quarter. Yeah. Um, which she won and gets to play Sharapova next, which I think will be a cool occasion for her. I mean, she yeah. really does seem to relish the big stage. And the big stage when she's earned it, too. No, like, sure. I think the U.S. Open, she got placed on a night session match against Ivanovich, where she was there mostly because she was an American and a young American. They put Christina McHale there the night before or night after. Mm-hmm. It was a weird bit of scheduling from the USTA. But um, I don't think... Sharapova was not great today. I didn't watch much of it, but... From what I sounded, from what I could tell, it was much grittier than it needed to be for her against Sharper. So, anyway, you ready to make our predictions for this sure. little section? Straw. Yeah. All right, um, I'll go first this time. You okay. have to go first. Um, just so, or well, you pick, you pick. You, my, you want me to go first? Up to you. Okay. So my semifinal predictions are Azarenka and Ivanovich because I mm. do think I do think that that quarter will break will break for her uh, well. Um, I, I don't trust Petra's asthma, um, and I. And you don't, don't think? And what do you think about Ivanovich's injury? You know, I mean, I, that's the biggest question mark. But I'm not willing to rule her out because of it. You know what yeah. I mean? So, mm-hmm. um, so I, so I, I'm going to put her there, um, and then I have Serena versus Sharapova. Fun. Um, mainly because I think I think that Mona Barthel could upset Sharapova. I do think that. Um, Sharapova plays better in Miami than Lee Na does. So yeah. in the event that those two hit up, I think that, that, that Masha has the advantage there. And then my... Oh, do you want me to go all the way through? Yeah. Okay. Uh, and then my winner is Victoria Azarenka. The streak Be- continues. Beating who in the final? Beating Serena. Oh, boy. That'd be, that'd be a real scalp for her. It would be. It would be. It would be the exclamation point. It would be... It would be basically her way of telling everybody to just... Sh- Shut 
the crap up. <laughs> I am number one. I'm dominant. I'm, I can beat anyone. Send them all. I will send them back. And I will beat Serena in Miami. Yeah. That's a statement. Like, that's a statement. I th- and I feel like Victoria, like, Azarenka's going to get up for that. I feel yeah. like she's very conscious. I mean, we saw this in the beatdown of Radvanska. She's very conscious of what is being said or, you know, whatever around her. So, and she, and she is one that where the bulletin board material works. Yeah. So to the extent that writers like myself keep telling her that, you know, oh, there's a hole in your resume, um, because of, uh, not that she's reading me, but I'm saying that like, you know, but it came up a lot. Like after she won many, many people did say, you know, she hasn't faced, you know, Kleister, Serena, Serena. bit of a right. Wozniacki. But if she, and if she beat Wozniacki, okay. If she beat Kleisters, okay. If she beat Kvitova, okay. But if she beat Serena... I feel like that shuts everyone up. Okay. All right. I will take in the semis. I'm picking Azarenka, obviously. This next quarter is such a crapshoot. I think Venus will get by Petra. And I think Venus will get by Ivanovic, but then lose to Radvanska. That's basically how I see that one going. So, um, another Victoria Azarenka. Agnieszka Radvanska showdown, which is what we all want after how well that last one went. Which poor Radvanska said she didn't want. Yeah. Like last much. week. Um, when At least she she's lost. on the same quarter this time. She got yes, that much. but she said she wouldn't want to see her next week unless it's in the finals. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. So, um, and then I will take Kleister to get out of the Serena quarter just because, um, I don't know. I think that's going to be, if they, if they will meet, that will be a really fun match. Uh, but I'll pick Lester's, and then I will pick. Oh, this section is such a mess with how bad Sharapova was today. I'll pick. I'll pick Mona Bartle make the semis. Go you. Go me. And uh, on, the semis. Azarenka uh, will beat Clysters um, in the final. So there we go. Is that how the draw broke out? Sorry, I'm like I'm like thinking in my head, and it's like right in front of me. Yeah, I thought. So yeah, it, that, that that could be a final. Oh right, right, yeah, yeah. Okay, I got you. Like beats Clyster in the final. So I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. There we go. Okay. okay. Now it's time for our regular feature called "Take a Number," um, where Ben and I use a random number generator. Uh, we use the number that spits out. Compare that to the rankings on the ATP and the WTA, and one we talk 100. one through a hundred, correct? Um, and we talk about whoever we end up getting um, based on that number. Uh, so, ready to go, Ben? I'm very ready. Okay, you have the ATP rankings up. I have the WTA rankings up, and our random number that came up today is number forty. Number forty. That is the highest number we've ever had. It really is. We're getting, we're slowly getting up there. Ben and I we're really s- want like a top ten. <laughs> We run, I don't even need top 10. I want top 20. Like, Fair. somebody in the teens is, like, perfect for this because they're not oversaturated, but we also know who they are very well. Totally fair. Okay. So well, let's start with the ATP because we normally see. start with the girls. But um, why don't we start with you, Ben? Okay. Number 40 on the, on the ATP rankings. He has been much higher than this in the past. And, actually, he won a match today, and his name is Nikolai Davidenko. Whoa, Kolya's number 40 now? Number 40. That is crazy. Former There's number... Last week. Former number... Number uh, number three, I think. Three? Yeah, he got up to three, right? 
Yeah. That's insane. Number 40. Okay. And how about for the ladies? Who is who is Colia's hopefully not too tall dance partner here? Not too tall, not too tall. Some, uh, in fact, her nickname is Barbie. Oh boy, Clara Zakapolova. She was on my shuttle today, <laughs> and I didn't rec- I didn't see because she was sitting in front of me. And I just sort of you know wasn't making big eye contact with people as I walked on. I didn't know she was on there until she got off. Yeah, she's Czech Barbie. Um, just because go. she has like very like blonde hair and, and she's very tan. She's she very wears, tan. Like, she wears a fair amount of makeup on court and stuff. Does so. she? Oh yeah, she has like eye makeup or something. She has right? eye makeup. Yeah. yeah, that's right. I've seen her play in person once that I can be very sure of, and actually I get her confused. I conflate her a lot now with uh, even though the personalities are very different on court with uh, Barbara Zalovova Strychkova because they both are Z names. Well, that's really unfair yeah. to Clara Zakapolova. It is. It is. But the one time I saw Clara play, I was actually really not very impressed with her. Well, I saw her. can I can I cut you off really quickly? Yeah, yeah. Because I did remember I did remember correctly, Barbara or uh, Clara Zakapolova. See, she, now you're doing it. I know. She beat Serena in the first oh, round right. of Marbella when when like when Serena had lost to Vika, I believe, in the in the finals of Miami. And Serena was pretty hurt, I think. And Serena's pretty hurt. And so she hopped on a plane and she went to Marbella. And everybody was like, what the heck are you doing, Serena? Like, why in the world is she flying to Marbella? I presume it was because of appearance fees or whatever. But she was clearly injured. There were going to be huge fines for her if she pulled out last night. And fines. Um, And she lost in the first round in three sets to Clara Zakaplova. I'm so happy that I actually remember this. Good for you. Yeah. Um, Because I knew that her name was, like, resonating for some dumb reason. But she lost to her 6-4-3-6-6-1. Do you remember a player who used to be around, like, about six, seven years ago named Clara Kukalova? Yes. They're the same person. <laughs> oh, they are? Yeah, she got married. Oh, there you go. So okay. that is my, one of my revelations about Clara Zakpalova, is that she used to be Clara Kukalova. So she had two fun names. From a yeah. foreign name, have it be, like, Kuki or Zach or something. It's a fun name. That's a good, that's a good is one of the fun names. Thank you. She kind of looks like Christina Ricci in her profile picture, like a blonde mm-hmm. Christina Ricci. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And she's very small. Um, yes. She, The one match I saw where I said I wasn't very impressed with her, started Indian Wells when I went there the first time in 2008, and uh, Iveta Benisova was singing in front of me watching in the stands, and Clara just didn't, didn't just very, you know, quitty. Mm-hmm. Just didn't fight a lot and just seemed very, very despondent and just not up to it. And who knows what was going on with her at the time. But I remember being like, hmm, this was not a very good effort. And you don't, I don't wind up thinking that very much when I watch See, tennis. Isn't it funny, though, how a single match, because that's kind of how you think of her. I always think of her because of that Serena match yeah. as always being a potential spoiler. Like, I always yeah. think that Clara Zakapalova is going to upset a seed. And I always and I always think she never will. Right. And the interesting and so, thing is... such small sample sets. Exactly. I mean, but that's how things kind of change so quickly in terms of how you define a player in your, in your mind. But, I mean, 2012 hasn't been bad for her. She made the semis of Paris, mm. which is impressive, yeah. um, beating Cornet, Peronkova, Gergis in three. Gergis is a- the other two, not so much now. Yeah, and then lost to Bartoli. She also, just last week, she made the fourth round of Indian Wells. Yeah, she with benefited, a Yeah, right? she benefited from the walkover from Zavonareva, but she did beat Daniela Hontakova in the second round. 
636763. So she has, like, so when I look at her, I'm like, see, she totally has, like, a resume of, like, a spoiler. And when and she's you top look 40 at her. Now. I mean, she should yeah, be yeah. spoiling a top 40. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, very cool. Yeah, so I'm glad that Nikolai didn't get someone very tall. Because that would have been awkward for him because he's not super tall. No. So and he just looks, he looks smaller than he is in person. I mean, yes. he looks, you know. He's got old man body. He does have old man body. An old man head. Yeah, it's old man head. And the way he walks is kind of bowed a little bit. And just looks yeah. like the weight of the world is on his shoulders and he's seen things. That's what I sort, of, I sort of empathize with Nikolai Davidenko because I think he, people talk about Roddick being a victim of his era for sure. But Davidenko also. I mean, it's kind of crazy with how consistently for a stretch of a few years Davidenko is making it deep into majors and winning a couple Masters. He's won two Masters Series titles. I think he won one in Miami here a few years ago, and he won one in Shanghai after that. And he won the World Tour Finals. And he won the World Tour Finals only two years ago, right? Uh, Two or three, yeah. Two. First year in in London, London. right? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, for him not to have made a Grand Slam final is pretty surprising. He's so fun to watch when he's on. Oh, yeah. Like, not in a fun, I mean, not in a fun, like, ooh, look at what he can do. But it's just, I mean, it, you know, his nickname um, that was given to him from one Martin Del Potro is PlayStation. That when he's yeah. on, and, and this was at the World Tour Finals when Del Potro made the comment, but when he's on, he looks like a video game. It's what video games do where they just don't miss. I and mean, it's yeah. nothing flashy. Just the ball comes back, and it comes back with interest. And uh, Davidenko's always been a guy who takes the ball very, very early, hits very flat, um, and then does really, really dumb things when he gets even close to the net. Yeah. No, I mean, he's had, he's, he is fun to watch. I think he's had some very scratchy results lately. And he also has just a weird philosophy about him where he really, I've heard them say this in press conferences, he is there you know, to try to win matches and enter as many tournaments as he can in sort of a law of averages way. Like, if I enter enough tournaments, eventually I'll do well in one of them. It's a job. He said that yeah. when he was in D.C. a while ago, which I was sort of surprised by. I've never anyone said that before. He's a guy who's, who's, who's got kind of a, uh, a top top player's game, but a journeyman's mind. Yeah. You know, like where... He's there to make money. He's, he's, he's there, there to make money. Paychecks. Yeah. yeah. In, a, in a way that's not, you know, I don't say that it's a slight necessarily. I mean, he's, you know, goal oriented, you know, he's clearly driven. I don't think anyone would ever say he doesn't want to win, but he also is very, he's not very, he doesn't talk in abstracts when he talks. He's not like, oh, you know, my confidence is, you know, this and it means so much to me. He talks more about, you know, I want to win. Winning is good. Winning is good. Winning keeps my, keeps my hot wife happy. Yes. Yes, he is punching above his weight in that category oh, as well. Arena. Bless. Now she's one of she's one of the most popular or most admired tennis wags. Is that fair to say? I would I, yeah, yeah. She's up there. So one thing we haven't mentioned here that obviously was a big story in Indian Wells during the time we recorded our last episode, but it was still in development as we didn't really talk about it, and both of us I think we're working on stories about it too. It's a big issue was the little incident that happened with one Michael. Michael? Is that how you pronounce it? I think, it's, pronounce I think it? it's Mikhail. Mikhail. No, 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 sorry. That's, that's Russian. That's what Russian, am I talking yeah. About? I'm struggling with this. I think, I think it's like Mikhail. Okay. Mikhail. Anyway, Lodra. Lodra. 
who comes up on Twitter all the time. I got a search column on TweetDeck for him because he was in the news and stuff. Michael Oja did not have the best ending well. Well, I mean, I think that what's, it, it's so funny to me because this was a, um, a match that was on an outer court, untelevised. It was between Michael Lodra and Ernest Goldis. Uh, yeah. You know, it was early in the first week when the press room is really, really busy. And um, let's let's remember that this whole thing kind of blew up because uh, Tom Tebbett, who's a great uh, uh, journalist from Canada, was um, at the match and just happened to be sitting near the fan um, in yeah. question and kind of saw it all go down. And obviously Tom speaks French, so he knew what uh, Lodra had said to the woman. She actually had no idea. Um, Although I think he did say something in English, too. He did before, but the thing that he said before was just more a profanity. It wasn't um, it wasn't racial. Okay. At least my understanding. Maybe, you're, maybe you have I information. I think from I the account have. I heard, and I did, I did, I think they just sort of retold both her and her brother were talking a lot to media afterwards. And I think they told the story so much that parts of it sort of got braided together and the gotcha. sequence wasn't always clear. But um, I think that there was some English profanity as well. Okay. Because he, you know, wanted them to hear it. That was that was racial, or that was yeah, just that was, calling them was, like names and stuff. No, it was it was it was. I mean, I can say it if you want. No, but, it's cool. It's fine. I mean, but, whatever. But yeah, there was it was it was this thing in French, which has been translated various ways depending right. on what the tone was, and then uh, the same basic thing in English. Okay. All right. So. So there you go. So I guess, yeah. So, you know, but I think that, that it really kind of took hold because because Tom was there and he obviously tweeted about it and it kind of caught on very quickly. Um, and then there was just a, a, quite a bit of confusion afterwards as to whether or not, you know, what Lodra said afterwards um, to Chinese press when Chinese press was asked, yes. um, asked uh uh, about him. I mean, basically, Ben and I have written this up. I mean, we're not going to. We don't have to rehash the what happened. Um, yeah. But I just found. I, I just thought that there was an, an. It was an interesting thing, just in terms of how the story developed, really via social media, via. Yeah. Because, uh, yeah. Go ahead. I, well, I was. I was thinking that I've talked about this before a little bit. Is that I think players tend to be on much worse maybe not it's probably the word for it but definitely looser behavior when they're not on televised courts players are very aware of when they're on television and when they're not and when the crowd is empty and when it's not and players will act out more and get angry more and throw hissy fits more on outer courts especially in qualifying when maybe they're not the players who have all the big stage experience but people really will act a fool when they don't think anyone's watching and Loger probably didn't count on anybody in that little section speaking French and being, you know, sympathetic to the cause or whatever. So the fact that it did catch on, I think, is uh, somewhat surprising. We don't know how much similar things could happen other times. We just don't go notice. I mean, players aren't mic'd. Players say all sorts of things. I heard one uh, player today curse several times during his or her match. And didn't get any warning for it. And this person, had, I had never heard of having, a, you know, a reputation for having a bad, you know, mouth for. And you just don't know. Yeah, and the no, coverage, you know. like you were saying before with the lack of TV coverage, I mean, there aren't eyes everywhere. There really aren't. Right. There's one person on the court, essentially, who can issue code violations. I mean, lines people can report things. It doesn't happen very much at all. So. No, I mean, the other thing that I thought was interesting um Obviously, the racial the racial aspect is really what drove the, what is what drove the story. Absolutely, 
But, you know, it did get me thinking quite a bit when I was doing my write-up about it that, you know, it's not any, not that it's not any worse, that's not the right way to say it, but the amount of misogyny that goes into the amount of swearing that the guys do is kind of off the charts. And if Mm -hmm. you understood, I mean, like, for example, I mean, I, you know, I have Serbian friends who love Novak Djokovic, you know, Janko Tipsarovic, you know, all those guys. And during their matches, my friends will text me exactly what those guys are saying in Serbian. And like, I'm like, holy crap. Like, you know, like you guys can hear this, like this is being beamed back to Serbia. And, you know, this is, this is what they're saying. I mean, if, you know, there's no way Andy Murray gets away with saying, you know, some of the things about women, the way that, you know, the Spaniards and the, the Serbs. Yeah. I think it's the Spaniards too. I think it's just like a linguistic, it's a weird linguistic thing that so many, uh, profanities are, you know, female in nature. Right. In that way. That's sort of interesting. Yeah. But it it did kind of make me think about that quite a bit. And I'm like, you know what, let's, 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 you know, let's clean up the, the racially charged aspects of people's, you know, outbursts and we'll take care of like trying to educate them about how they can and can't speak about women, but, uh, you know, at a, at a separate time. Um, but it, but it is interesting and it's something that like, I think does go unnoticed quite a bit. Yeah. You know, um, you know, we kind of just let it slide, you know, certain profanities that are, you know, very, um, especially in even more so, I think in, in Europe, um, that are very, you know, female, but women based or derogatory towards women and, and things sure. like that. But, um, you know, there's got, there's gotta be a point where people start cracking down on that and kind of paying attention a little more and saying so. that's I mean, not okay. The thing is with tennis, um, is that you're actually, when you're playing, and you're on a court, you're not always that near somebody. I had the same thing happen when I was playing. I played hockey also, and I was a goalie. So I would have huge stretches of the game where the play was on the other end of the ice, mm-hmm. and there was no one at all near me. And I could say whatever the hell I wanted or start singing, and no one could hear me. Mm-hmm. Just what I did to pass the time. And I think sometimes tennis players, because they are so isolated and so individual, they sort of, you know, model themselves and think the world can't hear them. But I don't think that's the point. I don't think that's what happened with Lodra at all. I think that's sort of oh, a different he's a topic. Pro. Lodra, Lodra, Lodra stopped and turned to somebody, and from all the accounts, made it very clear he was addressing her. Yeah. So, so yeah. So that is interesting. So what? So aside from the sort of root of what happened and why it happened, what do you think should have happened to Michael Lodra? I think that the ATP missed a, a really big opportunity. I think that they should have come down swiftly and, and very harshly on, on him and set, you know, some sort of precedent um, and to say basically that we that we do not tolerate this from our players and, and from people yeah. who play on our tour. And a 25, I mean, one thing that just kind of really kind of stuck out to me is that there was all this talk about an ATP investigation, you know, that led to the $2,500 fine. Um, but in my talks with the fan, even up to to about last week, she had never been contacted by the ATP. Nobody had reached out to her. Yeah, to not from ask, the ATP. She she had been talked to by tournament staff. By, right, tournament staff the, contacted the, the her. Indian Wells people, as per usual, handled things you know well. Yes, it's a very well run tournament for sure. She got a and call from the been tournament director. The, yeah. yeah, Steve Simon. Steve so. Simon. Yeah, but uh, but I was a little surprised by by kind of it, you know. Whether or not, it's, I'm not saying that it's intentional or anything, but I think that it did speak volumes as to um, kind of 
I think the ATP, ATP was trying. I think it's fair to say ATP was trying to ignore it. Yeah, ATP, ATP was trying to say like about it or anything. Yeah, if we just ignore they, it, it'll go away, yeah. and it didn't. And so when it didn't, and you know, kind of the the, the which right, was partially Loja's fault because of the comments he made to the Chinese media that kept it going. Yes, that's also true. So it just kind of kept going, and the ATP was paying catch up, and then. You know, I think uh, Matt Cronin reported that the ATP was still said that they would still be investigating if the fine might go up, which it might. But, you know, it it just still reeks of, you know, we thought we were just going to ignore this and it wasn't that big of a deal. And that's the message that really, I guess, bothers me is that the idea that both the player and the tour thought that this was not a big, big, big deal, whereas the fan who has been very vocal and has been contacting, you know, wanted to get her story out. Journalists, Tom Tebbit, heard it, thought it was a big deal as well. Like, yeah. you know, the fans and the journalists are saying this is a really big deal, and the player in the tours, their initial reaction was closing their eyes and going, no, 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 yeah, that that does not sit well with me at all. And yeah. you know, so I think that that was the biggest thing. I mean, you can't you can't do with what are you going to do with Michael Loder? He's going to say what he's going to say. But as a tour, you had an opportunity to really make a, the statement that your player was never going to make, which was to show that this was, you know, unacceptable behavior and really showed the other players that this stuff is unacceptable and they do need to monitor what they're saying and things like that. No matter what, you know, people want to blame, you know, the heat of competition. Okay. But no, that goes so far. And Lodra himself was saying that it was a joke. I mean, I don't know if you saw this when I tweeted about this, I had heard from someone who was, um, near the soccer game that French people were playing later in the week, because Loja actually, although he wasn't visible for a while, did hang around in Wells like so many other players. And he was playing a soccer game with a bunch of the French and French-speaking Belgian guys and was jokingly calling uh, Olivier Rokas a midget. He was like 5'5", five, five, and he was like, oh, ha, ha, you know, another $2,500 for that, and like kept throwing out other insults. People were like, oh, ha, ha, another $2,500 for that, and so on and so on, just, right. you know making a mockery of himself and granted and not a public setting i mean that was just a chance and people overheard that and understood french in that situation and that's but, the thing is just to kind of know your situation i mean i don't know it's uh he did no i don't know how much i did tweet this when i heard it from her that he the woman did get a letter or handwritten letter of apology eventually that came with a lacoste shirt in the package which is you know sort of tacky for sure and she's made some comment to me like you know there aren't enough shirts in the world for him to you know it's shirt his way out of this i mean he gave her something he gets for free yeah (laughs) and it wasn't and it wasn't her size yeah what in what world did he think that this woman would who was spending her entire match cheering for Ernest Goldis <laughs> wanted yeah. a Lacoste shirt from him, but well, with, on that note, we should probably Sorry. get out of here. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, thank you very much for joining us for episode five, where we touched all sorts of topics and we will be back maybe next week. Although I think we're going to be seeing each other in, Car- in South Carolina soon. Is that right? Possibly. Very, possibly. very possible. We'll possibly. leave it up in the so. air, but yes. Leave that a little bit. A little, Can't stay away from me for long, Ben. Oh, it's so mutual, Courtney. It's so mutual. <laughs> um, we will talk to you later. Enjoy. Thank you for making it to the end of this. <laughs>